0: following podcast contains references to the consumption of alcohol if you are not of legal drinking age please do not consume alcohol also if you are of legal drinking age please drink responsibly
1: to rhetorical magic cocktail hour my name is ryan wiseman and my favorite zoe content is she and him probably
0: <laughs> and i'm matthew and my favorite zoe content is i guess 500 days of summer unprecedented
1: <gasps> oh i don't un- think we've un- ever had our favorite be the topic
0: never the same always different spectacular what's that Lady Gaga gif do you remember that
1: amazing never the same unique wonderful just basically any positive adjective you can probably get away with uh yeah this is a podcast where we like to have a fun little drink and try to be succinct about various topics
0: and just really like break down what a podcast can be
1: which is this this is the only way podcasts can exist
0: Unless
1: my cat just
0: yawned and it was the cutest. <laughs> <laughs> what if a podcast was a cat yawning? <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Matthew, what are you drinking tonight, bud?
0: <laughs> tonight. Because I don't want to get too, in the words of Ryan, zooted. <laughs> um, I am drinking a Shiner Light Blonde. It mm. is. 4.2% alcohol. It's 99 calories. It is a beer that is almost water. Hmm. So that's fun. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a Peebers. Oh, I whiffed. I whiffed and I goofed. I should have got a Pabst Blue Ribbon too.
1: I'm, I'm drinking a Peebers because it's what I had. It's my favorite beer because mm-hmm. it is... I've said it before on here and I'll say it again. When you think of the concept of beer, this is what it tastes like. Peavers.
0: <laughs> Not sponsored.
1: <laughs> Not sponsored.
0: grip it and rip it. And...
1: That was a weak one. Uh, that wasn't as good. It's fine.
0: We'll get it in post.
1: Yeah, PBR is meant to be drank out of a can.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Also, it's... um. Union run, which is great. We're definitely pro-union on this podcast. We and if are. you're not, you're a scab. <laughs> Throwing shade. Throwing shade. But yeah, I found that out at a recent family event. My cousin is engaged to somebody who is a part of a union. And so they're very obviously they're very pro-union
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they support
0: ironically not that into unions <laughs>
1: <laughs> um and so like anything that is like based in union work they try to support which is cool and great and good but we're not talking about unions today although we're we talking could about because capital. they're wonderful and good Um, we're talking about a movie that Matthew and I watched a lot when we were younger, Mm -hmm. uh, called 500 Days of Summer. Also, I feel like we're at that age when when we say things like when we were younger, people assume like seven and eight. This was high school.
0: Yeah. (laughs) We're not that old.
1: We're not that old. But I feel like younger definitely implies like early childhood and that's just not the vibe. Um, but tonight, so what we're going to be doing is going over just kind of like the general plot. And then I have a few, uh, questions <laughs> for Matthew to try and kind of break it down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And we're also going to cover like our history. Cause I yeah. feel like this is the movie both of us have seen a lot.
0: <laughs> I would say so. I, I would, I hesitate to say this, but I think I've maybe seen it more than the magic bullet infomercial. Ooh, which is a big statement. Which is
1: honestly more of a commitment because it is longer.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And then once I said that, I was like, "Have I though?" Because <laughs> I watched that infomercial a lot. I'm gonna say I, I'm gonna say I've seen 500 Days of Summer more. Do you it, it in seems your like modern a thing to have seen more?
1: In your modern times, do you still watch the Magic Bullet commercial? <laughs>
0: I have watched it once in the past year, which <laughs> is was... more than I have watched Five Hundred Days of Summer. <laughs> Spoiler <Okay>. alert. <laughs>
1: um, I think I think that both of us have seen it enough that we get the mm-hmm. the general gist. Uh, do I, you wanna? I,
0: I don't think I've seen it more than I have seen the film School of Rock, starring Jack Black.
1: That's a movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the podcast has ended. <laughs> that was the code word. <laughs> You know,
1: Pee Wee Herman had like a secret word and everything was happy. That was the code word where this is just done.
0: <laughs> See, I was thinking the Machin- the Manchurian candidate <laughs> where it activates the sleeper cell. <laughs> but that's just how our brains are different. That's what makes the podcast fun. <laughs> you think of Pee Wee Herman, I think of the Manchurian candidate. <laughs>
1: um so you want to get thinking
0: about 500 days of summer i'm so sorry i talked over you
1: (laughs) you're totally fine i was just gonna ask if you wanted to keep talking and uh go over the uh general plot points of the film just give us a quick rundown of what happened as you remember it this is my favorite part i love watching matthew try to remember media we haven't really watched so in a minute
0: (laughs) this story is fictitious. And any resemblance to any person's living or dead is purely coincidental, especially you, Jenny Beckman, and then a word I don't want to say. <laughs> <And that's laughs> a how very the movie begins. gendered term. A very spicy beginning to a movie that honestly I did not remember till I Googled it, this movie a day ago. And then I was like, oh yeah, it does start like that. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> um oh i just remembered something what and did that was you the remember? sound of me remembering i think i had like back when i was in high school and i was recording music i think i called a song jenny beckman after that opening bit
1: that's spicy matthew it is spicy
0: i was a real spicy lad i don't think i said <laughs> the word that they say i think it was just called jenny beckman but that was my vibe. Okay, so <laughs> the movie begins. A man says, "This is not a love story," and then Regina Spektor sings a song over some children playing in home movies. Then, then Joseph Gordon-Levitt dates Zoe Deschanel, and it doesn't work out at the end.
1: And I mean, that's that's, that <laughs> uh, that's basically but it. But things happen. I mean, yes. Uh.
0: Joseph Gordon-Levitt is an architect mm-hmm. because it's an indie film. But he works <laughs> in a greeting card company run mm-hmm. by Marvel fan favorite Clark Gregg, who plays Agent Coulson. Oh. In the Marvel movies. Uh, I
1: was considering doing a round of there in that. There in that. Uh, I feel like
0: I would nail that. We can we can come back to it later, but...
1: No, I like... no, because it was literally going to be the shortest. It was him and then whoever plays the sister, who I currently can't
0: remember. Chloe Grace Moses. Mo- Mo- is- I've never known how to say her name.
1: Everyone else, I, I barely know.
0: <laughs> um, we got... Man who is married to Christina Hendricks in real life, whose name I don't remember. We have... Matthew Gray Goobler. We have Zoe Deschanel. We have... Yvette Nicole Brown from Community. We've got that lady from Bones that says Cherie. We've got... Um, I think that's everybody.
1: I think that's the whole movie. I think I everybody think else oh, is just well, them in different wigs. I
0: forgot one person, but that it, the person I forgot's a spoiler. So, Spoilers <laughs> for 500 Days of Summer. Mink, Minka Kelly's in it, and she plays Autumn. Yes. Um... But yeah, so Zoe Deschanel begins as a, an assistant at the greeting card company, mm-hmm. and Joseph gordon Lovett's like, I'll never find love. Man, media ruined me. Man, I like the Smiths." And then he's <laughs> listening to the Smiths in an elevator, and Zoe Deschanel's like, "Oh, I love the Smiths." And then he's in love because that's healthy. Um, <laughs> and then. They start hanging out, and she's like, "I'm not looking to date." And then they kiss in the copy room, and then they bone. <laughs> let me let me take that again. And then they make love. <laughs> let me That's take that again. That's somehow worse. <laughs> then they engage in coitus
1: oh my god oh my god (laughs) let me take that again
0: (laughs) and then they make the beast with two backs (laughs) let me take that again
1: (laughs) (laughs) last one and this time I'm gonna give you a note (laughs) Ernest
0: Ernest Ernest I've never seen any of the Ernest films though (laughs) and then they then they do the Jim Varney
1: (laughs) oh fuck you (laughs) um just say they hooked up and let's move on
0: okay um and then they hook up there we go and then then they just kind of hang out and it goes good in his mind and then his sister's like maybe it wasn't and then he looks back again and there were some red flags that the relationship was not going to work out and then
1: were they red flags, or were they just, like, signs that this was not it? I feel like red flag implies some kind of, like...
0: Yeah, that's a negative context. It's it's more just, like, a sign that maybe they weren't as compatible as he thought. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, and then they break up. And then there's a scene that I've never known if it was real or if it was his imagination where like he's sitting at the spot they go to a lot and she shows up and she's like i'm married now and i'm happy and it's just like i've never been able to tell if that was really happening or if that was just like him imagining it but it doesn't matter because then he goes to a job interview and falls in love with a woman who's just doing her job yeah. We learned that he has not learned healthy relationship habits at all.
1: Mm-mm.
0: And that's the film.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I only spent 30 minutes trying to think of synonyms for hooking up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love how the, the point of the film is if you are a mediocre white man,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you can do absolutely no character growth and still come out on top. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I do think not to jump the gun too much. I do think the end of the film ruins the film looking mm-hmm. at it from a from a perspective in the year of our lord 2022. Yes. But, yes.
1: Um Yeah, you there are like a couple of little points and it's not even really like major plot points. It's just like So like they have like a like a small not, it's not even a breakup moment. It's like they, like, get into an argument about, like, what they are. And she, like, defines... um, Summer defines that, you know, she doesn't want a relationship. And then there's, like, that scene where, like, it's raining and she comes over.
0: Mm-hmm. That's after he punches a guy that's hitting on her. And she's like, no, this yeah. isn't good.
1: Yeah. Definite displays of toxic masculinity. Um, And then... One of my favorite scenes in the movie is when it has, like, the two situations juxtaposed together as, like, they're happening of, like, reality and, like, what he imagines. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely one of my favorite moments. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because it, like, it, like, runs up, like, uh, she invites him to, like, some kind of party that he doesn't really know what kind of party it is. And so, like, in his head, he's like this is going to be them reconnecting. This is going to be,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, like he's going to be like staying over and like all this yeah. stuff. And then like the reality is like, it's an engagement party and she views him as a friend. Let's, let's talk about our uh, histories with the movies, with the movie, not all movies. <laughs>
0: every movie the first movie <laughs> i ever saw was land before time i don't think that's true uh, uh
1: so so when did
0: you first watch the movie i think let's see i remember when it first came out mhm uh i think i wanted to see it because i had a huge crush on zoe Deschanel in high school cuz i Naturally. was a hipster mm-hmm. <laughs> it was obligatory um I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think I waited till I could rent it from Crown Video on North Range Line. <laughs> Which okay, so for the zoomers listening, renting a video <laughs> <laughs> means you would go to a store that had a bunch of DVDs and you would buy one, but you had to take it back after a certain amount of time. <laughs> um so I think I rented it because I went through a phase where I rented really artsy movies because I thought I was that guy. Um,
1: <laughs> Is 500 Days of Summer artsy?
0: It's it's on the artsy side.
1: Okay. Nice it's, got watched it's, it's got a non-linear...
0: It's got a non-linear story, so...
1: Okay, I'll give you that.
0: You don't see... Uh, Marvel making a nonlinear story. I don't know why I just went so hard against Marvel, but whatever. Um, (laughs) uh, But I think I watched it. And then at the time I was a sad boy. Mm -hmm. So I related to the character of Tom. And then I had the epiphany of, Oh no, I relate to the character of Tom. (laughs) maybe i should be realistic about relationships and uh that kind of stuff so i learned my lesson and then i forgot my lesson and then i learned it again and that's my history with the film
1: yeah um i had kind of a similar i don't think that i ever related to tom but i when i first watched it i did not watch it with like Catholic school doesn't number. <laughs> mm-hmm. And misogyny is rooted in a lot of the lessons that we learned. And so mm-hmm. when I initially watched the movie, I definitely um saw Summer as villainous and that Tom was supposed to be the person that you cared about in the film. Mm-hmm. Um and that was high school. Luckily I have grown a lot, and worked through internal misogyny, and just or internalized misogyny, and like understand that like that's just not an effective way to view women. Mm-hmm. Character um, growth, character growth. <laughs> Unlike Tom. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, burn. Gonna
0: um, need some aloe vera for that burn you just gave him
1: yeah, and I think I think the height of it was I had this, oh man, I so Matthew and I make notes that kind of cover um like an outline of like how we're gonna talk about stuff, and I do just have it listed as Ryan's College Revenge, um which is much more dramatic than what it actually <laughs> was. Um, I had this professor that I just did not vibe with. Um they were. A gender scholar in the 70s and they still taught at my university <laughs> um which they weren't like they weren't a scholar but they were like working towards scholarly pursuits in the 70s and the concept of gender as we understood it in the 70s and the concept of gender as we understand it now as far as like even like feminism Has changed a whole bunch (laughs) since Mm -hmm. then. Um, And he was very stuck in his position that feminists are like (laughs) misandrists. And um, we had to give presentations. It was a media analysis class. A media analysis class. And he wanted us to like talk through like gender theory. Which is great. I love that. That was my cup of tea. Love talking mm-hmm. about gender issues. Um, and so like he had recommended some movies as like ideas, and like I was just not having it. And so I presented it as like, can I do this movie? It's very he loves a good dichotomy. I don't think he had a good grasp on like non man-woman identities. Um, so I was like, I would like to do this. It's very, I was like, very dichotomy of man versus woman and like thought processes behind. I think I could do a good job. And my presentation tore the fuck into (laughs) Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, like the whole time I was talking about how like, at no point should we be viewing, uh, Summer as the villain in this movie. She lays out her boundaries, um... She explains that she doesn't want a relationship and that should be more than enough. And so Mm -hmm. Tom actively choosing to view it within the confines of a relationship is on him, not her. Um, I talked about the manic pixie dream girl trope and how it's dangerous because it implies that anything projected onto women is 100% their fault. And she's just a woman who likes the Smiths who had something in common and was building a friendship that had romantic aspects, but was not actively seeking a romantic relationship. She was just existing Mm -hmm. and Tom put all of this stuff onto her that she didn't ask for. And like, so this was like my, it was like my longest presentation and it was one of those, he said that I did a good job, but I could also tell that he didn't like it. And so that was, like, my favorite <laughs> moment of, like... Because a lot of the way that we were talking about gender was through the lens of how men view gender in that class. And it was it was just very elementary level, like, boys like this, girls like this. And I'm like, that's not... <laughs>
0: Mm
1: -hmm. that's not the that's not the t at all yeah um and so that was again revenge was a strong term it was just like it was like the height of my actualization of like by viewing tom as the quote-unquote protagonist we are like stripping summer of like autonomy and personhood Mm
0: -hmm. which
1: is bullshit Again, they're characters, but, mm-hmm. and I and the thing is, is like I don't know what the I kind of don't want to look at what the you know directors had in mind, like because I think I think at the end of the day it's supposed to be ambiguous. You're supposed to either relate to Summer or you're supposed to relate to Tom. I don't.
0: Not okay asterisk not having seen the film for many years i don't Mm -hmm. think it's that ambiguous i think they repeatedly say this is not a love story tom was ruined emotionally by media for many years and so he doesn't have a healthy understanding of relationships i think i think the movie explicitly says tom is the bad guy but since he's the protagonist i think it's hard for viewers to especially like in western society like the protagonist is usually like a hero Mm -hmm. and so it's hard to disassociate that idea of the main character is the hero versus the main character is a protagonist that you're just following
1: yeah i definitely i definitely get that um and that kind of goes into like Some stuff I'd like to touch on in a moment. Let's go to a quick hydration station. Hydration station. Welcome to Hydration Station, the part of the podcast where we take a little sippy do of water Mm -hmm. and remind ourselves on those hot summer days (laughs) in the early days of February that you need to stay hydrated when you're drinking any form of alcohol.
0: I don't know why when you said that it made me think of those Hollywood nights and those Hollywood hills, and that makes me think of the Fast Lane by the Eagles. So this is just a good, this is a good one, Ryan. I think we're doing a good one.
1: We need to make a rule where you can't speak when I have water in my mouth.
0: I'm so sorry. I'm not allowed to speak during hydration stations anymore. No, you can
1: speak during hydration stations. I just gotta get that sip in first because.
0: This is about number two in the last two episodes that I've almost killed you.
1: A little bit. But I love you. I do. I appreciate it. We're doing good.
0: In my defense, that's just a curse I have where I say really funny things the moment somebody takes a drink. Because it's not just you, it's like. Several people in my life that I've almost killed because I said something at the wrong moment.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. That's Hydration Station.
1: (laughs) Don't Don't kill kill your friends, friends,
0: folks. (laughs) Hydration
1: Station. So we kind of started touching a little bit on like a kind of more defined critique and analysis of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I think something that is really important, and I think the movie highlights well, is, like, the concept. It introduces the audience to the concept of an unreliable narrator. hmm Especially when you're going through, like, those first stages of, like, Tom looking at stuff, for lack of better phrasing, through, like, rose-colored glasses. Everything to him is, like, going well. You know, they're going on dates, and they're getting pancakes, and they're... Um, cruising record stores and other hipster bullshit that people do
0: (laughs) they're watching the graduate at a theater
1: (laughs) (laughs) um and then it's it very much goes into like okay but if you actually look at what's happened what happened but i think at that point too he was still an unreliable narrator Because he was looking at it through the concept of, like, him being hurt and broken up with. So he's going to start making everything look worse. Mm -hmm. I think that's good because I feel like media today likes to do stories that are a little more simple. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that there aren't, like, great artsy indie films that, like, are... But, like, mainstream Marvel movies this is bad guy we're just tearing into marvel today (laughs) Uh oh whoopsies this is good guy they fight good guy wins you know like it it it, is very like streamlined and very like
0: it's very um focused on visual
1: action as opposed to plot
0: I don't know if I would agree with that statement, but it's okay. very, it's very much, what do I want to say? It's, it's more black and white than gray. Yeah. For I guess sure. is what I'm going to end up on because I can't think of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Um, but I, I do like
1: the, the idea and I and I think that honestly looking back I think you're right that they kind of do that the, the writer frames it and I was just putting my own jaunty little spin on it when I was younger and then mm-hmm. rebelling against that ideology when I was a little older and now I just don't watch the movie
0: <laughs> and now I just haven't seen it in a while <laughs> now it's just a movie that I used to watch Two Gautier references
1: in the past, like, month. (laughs) That's
0: how you know it's good. We got them good callbacks. (laughs) I'm trying to think of anything that I've seen recently that has been as gray as this movie is. In terms of, like, who's... Another issue is, I just don't watch a lot of movies
1: these days. (laughs) So, like, they very easily could be out there, and I'm just not... Because, like, even mm-hmm. Marvel movies and stuff, there's quite a few that I that are out that I have not seen and don't plan on seeing.
0: <laughs> that's fair. Um,
1: and I understand that there are other movies that aren't Marvel, but I feel like we're just, like, over-inundated with, like, the concept of superheroes.
0: I would agree. As somebody that does, like, Marvel movies, I do feel like they're way too big. But that's not what we're talking about today. Um, in a weird <laughs> way, I feel like... Like Midsummer and The Witch, maybe are kind of in more in the same vein, where it's like the the well, I don't know that the protagonist is necessarily
1: there's not there's not morality assigned to the protagonist. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just people existing and people are inherently flawed. Kind of, I I can kind of get behind that for sure. Um, maybe I'm just jaded <laughs> you know I mean honestly when it comes to movies and maybe I'm just not seeking out content that actually would make me think <laughs> like about the gray area
0: ooh Fleabag
1: yeah Fleabag again not a movie though but yes unless... I understand what you're talking about <laughs> unless you just watch both
0: seasons in a day <laughs> Unless the 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 line between film and television has been blurred in this modern era of prestige television,
1: um. But you're right. Like Fleabag is very like. It's almost on a different end. Like you relate to Fleabag because she's a bad person. Mm-hmm. And I think and I think that that's something that um is like a, a distinction that should be made between like movies and tv shows is that tv shows have time to build out a character (laughs) (laughs) movies they have time but it's it's gotta be more focused and you don't you might not get like a full grasp of somebody
0: yeah and tv is kind of more tv lends itself more to like for lack of a better term anti-hero stories mm-hmm. where it's like you get to delve into the gray a little bit more in movies the time restraint kind of necessitates a more black and white kind of view yeah. of morality I don't know what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> I'm a business major <laughs>
1: um but no cuz you you're right like I don't think that I don't think that the writer is of Fleabag are trying to tell you that Fleabag is a By good right person a Fleabag, or in the mean right Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yes, I do mean Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I don't think Our that Lord she's trying to Savior. tell you that.
0: Our Lord and Savior.
1: I love her. Hush. Do you still have that pin? I do. I love that pin. Um. But Phoebe Waller-Bridge is not trying to tell us that Fleabag is good or in the right at all mm-hmm. but she's still a likable character <laughs> right, because yeah. she's inherently flawed and kind of a fuck up
0: yeah if she's good at looking at camera
1: <laughs> that fourth wall break she got down
0: uh, do you want to talk about manic pixie dream girls for a bit
1: yeah, um, I'm kind of interested in like your thought on the manic, because I feel like it's like manic pixie dream girl trope as a whole is like the concept of like, the woman exists for the sake of building the man's character. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, typically they're very like free-spirited and very to use like not great phrasing like they're not like other girls Mm -hmm. they care about important boy things like art movies and (laughs) they like the Smiths (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and like that trope is pretty common in media of like I can do whatever Um, and I feel like that's a trope that Zoe Deschanel played pretty often
0: Mm -hmm. For a while there. Yeah, I think like after 500 Days of Summer, that was she kind of got typecast as Mm -hmm. the manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. Uh, I I remembered another Zoe Deschanel film, Yes Man. Yep. Where she basically played Summer, but like turned up a notch.
1: Which being typecast is not necessarily like is not on Zoe Deschanel. (laughs) Like
0: no, 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 no. She gets Uh, the
1: role. Like she works hard to get the roles that she gets, and I'm not. And I'm not saying that. And I'm not even saying there's anything inherently wrong with the manic pixie dream girl trope, until you have. Because there are free spirited women. Like (laughs) (laughs) there are people who act very similar to Summer who just exist and are living their best lives. But the trope becomes an issue when the character is created for the sake of the male character Mm -hmm. it's 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 likened to a different form of like refrigeration of like this girl can just be put on ice until (laughs) until the character needs plot points um so I again I'm not like against the concept of like a manic pixie dream girl they're great and I think I think that it's inherently misogynistic to try and be like people who are like this are stupid people who act like this are doing it for a reason and that's manipulative because I don't think that that's accurate at all I think that very much it is okay for people to just act how they like as long as they're not doing anything morally reprehensible (laughs) Or, like, mm-hmm. harming others or themselves. Like, generally, people are okay to just exist how they exist. Um. Right. But I, I think, so I think, I think the issue with the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope is when it falls on the onus of, like, the man's existence. So, like, Ramona Flowers and Scott Pilgrim, who is also not a good
0: person. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we will we will talk more about that at some point. We'll
1: get there eventually. because um, I'm also thinking of not to just keep bashing movies we watched in high school, but Nick and Nora.
0: Just anything <laughs> with Michael Sarah. <Cera. laughs>
1: Michael Sarah played a very specific kind of guy.
0: <laughs> it's the nerd that played bass.
1: <laughs> um but <laughs> Michael Sarah. But it <laughs> found the episode title <laughs> <laughs> um but no, so there's nothing inherently wrong with it. What are your thoughts on like the manic Pixie dream girl trope?
0: um I think they're similar to what you said so far I think I, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it until it becomes this character only exists to be part of like, furthering the plot of a male character. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, I don't think that there's anything that I could add to the Manic Pixie Dream Girl that you haven't so eloquently placed before us.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, Okay, so I'm going to ask you this then. Is there a bad guy in the movie? And why is it Chloe Grace Morty? I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There is, but it's the viewer.
1: Ooh. Ooh. Can you elaborate?
0: No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, and that's not my real answer. Um, so I don't think there's a bad guy, mm-hmm. but I think there's definitely. I don't know that a wrong party is there. You're you're being told a story in a biased way,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I mean. If I told you about my past relationships, it would be in a biased way. That probably wouldn't be completely accurate. That's just human nature. Yeah. But, um. Which goes back to,
1: like, the unreliable narrator. I mean, like.
0: Yeah. But, um, I think. I don't think there's a bad guy, but I think there is a character misleading the audience with the story they're telling. And that is Tom. mm Mm-hmm and I don't think it's like a granted. This is just a character in a movie, but, uh, and I might be projecting a little bit, but I don't (laughs) think that like there's any intentional wrongdoing, but I think he is a little like biased to his side of the story. And he wants you, the viewer to like side with him. Mm -hmm. And it, it, I don't know it's it's a very human impulse to kind of fudge the details to make you look favorable
1: yeah I get but that that's
0: that's my opinion and then the other villain is obviously Clark Gregg yes <laughs> uh uh what about you
1: I, I mean I agree with you that I I don't think that there's necessarily a villain of the film and I don't think that all films need like a bad guy to be pointed at, you know? So I really do like that. Um, I would like to kind of delve into why you don't think that the conversation between Tom and Summer happened at the end of the movie.
0: The timeline's weird. Yeah. Cause it's still within the 500 days. That they have that conversation because day 501 is him meeting Autumn. hmm But... I don't remember... the day count of the last day that he talks to Summer... before that conversation. But I want to say it's not... a huge number of days.
1: So I think, I think the last time they talked to each other would have been at the party. And even then, I don't think that she would have talked to him. So I could see... Again, it's characters, so like it's not like real people, <laughs> but like mm-hmm. I could see the character of Summer like reaching out to him and being like, "Hey, I saw you at the party, but we didn't get to catch up. Can we?" So like I think that the co- I agree- I think the conversation happened. At least I hope it does because I think that that conversation is really what for the people who are watching the movie who are not looking at it critically as a whole thing and would maybe be the people who are like siding with Tom. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is the conversation. It's pretty pivotal and like giving Summer back her personhood and like allowing her to advocate for herself and being like, you put all of this on me. And like the relationship that I have with like my new husband was everything i didn't feel with you right and i don't know that tom the character would have had enough character growth to especially with 501 being the day that he just starts over because if it was in his head that shows a strong amount of character growth that just disappears when he sees another pretty girl and i hate that more somehow (laughs)
0: yeah the end is awful um so i have looked up a a like definitive timeline yeah so and it's not as quick as i thought the it's still a very abbreviated timeline but Mm -hmm. so day 408 is the party it what this what this timeline says is uh the famous dual screen party (laughs) Mm-hmm. which is the expectations versus the reality party. Yeah. And then the them talking at their spot is day 488. So there's 80 days in between those two.
1: Yeah, that's like two months.
0: Which seems fast, but I guess is realistic. So I guess, I don't know. It's For some reason, it always seemed like it wasn't real to me.
1: I, I can, and it was like his imagination. That. But if you think about it, we only see like maybe 20 days, you know, like it's not, we don't see every, we don't see all 500 of them. And also Tom is an unreliable narrator, so he's probably rounding.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's just a nice, a nice round number.
1: So, do you have any kind of final thoughts on the film?
0: Um. So, this was a very important film for me in high school.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, not having seen it since high school, from what I remember, it might be in the Mystery Men camp of, let's leave it to nostalgia. But thinking about it i might watch it after this (laughs) okay just to see yeah um but yeah if you haven't seen it watch it once if you have seen it just leave it be (laughs) (laughs) or if you're me watch it after this recording (laughs) um what what are your final thoughts
1: um as a movie it's it's fine i i think i'm gonna leave it in the nostalgia zone i don't the know nostalgia that I, zone. <laughs> I don't know that i need to to rewatch it to understand the concept um but again like it was something that like it was impactful previously but i don't know mm-hmm. that it I wouldn't say that it was, like, a pivotal movie to for me to figure out who I am. Like, I'm, <laughs> it was a movie that I used to like, and now I'm just kind of, like, lukewarm, too. But, yeah. So, this has been Rhetorical Magic Cocktail Hour. Yep. Um, If you liked what you heard, follow us on socials at Rhetorical Magic. Find us.
0: At the bench, where we always went, and <laughs> stared at that car park. You know the one.
1: Um, and maybe it'll be real. <laughs> um, be good to one another, afford others full personhood, as we mm-hmm. say at the end of every episode.
0: Clink! Oh. Bad clink. <laughs> Oh, I almost unplugged my recording equipment with my foot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that, no, but that not would have been good. That would not have been good. Yeah.